Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show of health chatter. We're going to be talking about a word, actually, that's become kind of in everybody's lingo of late, pharmageddon, which is kind of interesting, but obviously it, it reflects what's going on in, in the uh, the pharmacy world. We've got a great guest with us, um, and hopefully we'll have a guest that comes on board within the show itself. So stay tuned for that. Um, I'd like to compliment and highlight our great staff. Maddie Levine-Wolf, Aaron Collins, Deandra Howard do background research for us. That's really second to none. It provides Clarence and I with some ideas and um, and talking points that we hope to bring up with our, our guests that we have on the show. So thank you to, to them. Sheridan Nygaard also provides us with, with research and marketing expertise. And then our production manager is Matthew Campbell, who gets our shows out to you, the listening audience, in a beautiful format. So thank you to all of you. You're, you're, you're great. I would like um, to also recognize my co-host, uh, Clarence Jones. Uh, we, whether you guys realize that we chat offline quite a bit um, to keep this, this show, Health Chatter, vibrant for all you, the listening audience, and we share great ideas going forward. It, he's he's a wonderful conversational expert, and I've appreciated his insight well these years. So thank you to you, Clarence. I also like to thank Human Partnership, our sponsor for these shows, great community health organization in the state of Minnesota. Although I believe that their their programmatic in, uh, insights and programs in general have great implications for just about anyone around the United States. You can check them out at humanpartnership.org. And as well, you can check us out, healthchatterpodcast.com, where you'll see all of our research for our shows attached to the actual podcast when it comes out. So thank you to all. So I'm going to pass the baton over to... Clarence, who is going to introduce our guests for today. Stan, thank you. As always, we appreciate uh, the introduction, and we also appreciate those who are listening to us. And today we have an exciting, uh, I think it's an exciting conversation and topic. It's one that uh, for me and the work that I do, I'm often um, asked about, and we have some uh, uh wonderful opportunities to enter this conversation. I also want to say that today is uh, January the 11th, and tomorrow is uh, Happy National Pharmacist Day on January the 12th. And guess what we're talking about today? We're talking about pharmacy and pharmacists, and uh, we have with us again, uh, once again, Dr. Rhonda Marie Jacolis, uh, who is uh, uh, here uh, she's president of the Minnesota Board of Pharmacy. Uh, she is a, a, a graduate of the University of Minnesota. She's from the north side. Uh, you know, that's really important if you're from Minneapolis, uh, uh, where she comes from. She's from the north side. Uh, she's a world traveler, uh, uh, but also she's a, a health chatter and a human ally and has been, you know, working with us on a variety of different things. And so I wanted to introduce her uh, and let her tell a little bit about herself, a little bit about herself, and then I, I need to I need to start off by asking you a question. So I'm gonna let you say a little bit more about yourself, and then I'm gonna ask you a question, and then Stan's gonna ask you some questions. Okay. 
Uh, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it is wonderful to be back on Health Chatter and conversating with everyone here. Um, again, my name is Dr. Rhonda Marie Chocolis. I am a pharmacist, born and raised, as Clarence pointed out, in North Minneapolis. I still live in North Minneapolis. That's a huge thing. Um, if you're from the north side of Minneapolis, it's it's. Um, and I went to North High School, so. Um, part of my identity is tied to that, but also part of my identity is tied to being a pharmacist, the first BIPOC woman to ever be president of the Minnesota Board of Pharmacy. Um, and well over 100 years, the Board of Pharmacy is designed to protect the public. And um, in keeping with my uh, tradition, I do have to say that I will have views and opinions on this program. They are my own and don't represent the entities that I work with or who I'm affiliated with, but I am excited to be here um, and provide um, some background. My background is a little unique in that um, I still do a lot of community engagement work. I am lecturing at the University of Minnesota. I'm involved with clinical trials. So um, my life in terms of being a pharmacist, I would say I'm living the dream. And so thank you so much for having me today. Thank, well, you. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Great to you. have Great. you. Yeah. Yeah. So let me go ahead, me, Clarence. Yeah. Let me let me ask this question. Um, why pharmacy? Let's talk about you. We're gonna we're gonna get let our audience get a little, a little bit of chance to know you because we're gonna dive deeper into the whole issue around pharmacy because right now in 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 our conversation in the community in this country, there's a lot of concern about pharmacists, about their condition, about pharmacies. Uh, but let's talk about you first. Why why don't you get involved in pharmacy? And then I'm going to let Sam do some questions for you, okay? Yeah, um, I knew very early on if um, some of the earliest, and I will date myself, my parents were probably one of the first people in the neighborhood to get a video camera. And um, <laughs> at the time, at the time on these VHS tapes, I um, charted my pathway out for myself at the age of Five. And so there are a couple of things that I said I wanted to be. I said I wanted to be either a doctor, a nurse, or a pharmacist, that I wanted to get somebody to do my chores for me. And then I wanted <laughs> to be um I wanted to be a boss. And so there's times where I go back and reflect on that and say, so what is it that got me from being a doctor, from a doctor, from a nurse to a pharmacist? And I will tell you, um, I have had um, people in my family have very adverse reactions um, to medications. Like my mother um, on one occasion almost died from getting a medication that she was allergic to. And, um, you know, I just also saw a local African-American pharmacist in North Minneapolis who was very engaged in the community. And I was like, I want to be like that person. I want to be involved. I want to be approachable and I want to be connected to community. But we all know in this country that medication is the mainstay often of therapy. And so I wanted to be part of the solution. Um, I saw what my mom went through. I saw what other people went through and um, I wanted to solve for that and prevent problems. And so that is part of the reason why I became a pharmacist. Well, thank you. Stan, you had some questions. Yeah. So, you know, I remember, you know, you know, Clarence and I have a little bit of gray hair. If we have hair, we have a it's it's mostly gray. So we have some some history here. And I remember distinctly 
when pharmacists got their degrees, they would get a Bachelor of Science degree. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then at some, some point, and I don't know what point that was or what led to it, there was, a, I guess, a requirement that if you're going to become a pharmacist, you would get a farm D mm -hmm. degree. So what, can you talk about that a little bit, kind of how all that came about? Yeah. So I, first of all, I like to talk about uh, one people, one thing that people don't know about me is that I'm actually, my undergrad is in history. Um, I'm mm -hmm. a history major and a religious studies um, minor. Now, I, and now I, I really like it. Because I like this so, too. <laughs> yeah, and so I think that's what kind of makes me a little more well-rounded and grounded in history. So I think about the earliest pharmacists, right? They were more of the apothecary type. Um, you know, pharmacists were responsible for like the soda fountains and, you know, our Dr. Pepper and those things that we love, um, but also being very, very approachable and connected in the community and um, I would say pharmacy, much like any other profession, um, I would say one profession that does it really well and will shut things down are nurses. Nurses have re-professionalized themselves several, several times. And so I would say it was um, probably in the 90s where there was the shift from the Bachelor of Science degree to the PharmD, uh, the Doctor of Pharmacy degree. And then that became part of the requirements um, in order to be accredited program. So with that shift, um, things went from, you know, what you would traditionally have had a four-year degree when people were Bachelor of Science pharmacists to now you had this um, system that required four years of, um, of you know, um, pharmacy in addition to some prerequisites. So um, myself personally, I have a bachelor's degree and a PharmD degree. Some people just take the pathway and jump directly to that PharmD degree after doing those prerequisites. So here's the other thing that's kind of, that that, that I'm, a, I'm a, I guess a little saddened about. Um, the corner drugstore, it's, it's like, it doesn't exist anymore. And, I remember very, very distinctly, um, you know, with our young children and everything, our pharmacist was almost like a neighborhood healthcare provider. Um, you know, everybody knew him. We could walk in and, and you know, pick up some medication if we, if we had to, or just sit and chat. Gone, absolutely gone. I also have two cousins out in, in California who are, um, who are they're retired now, but were pharmacists as well, and they were in that mode, that kind of corner pharmacy. So, what happened there? That's a huge question. It's a big question. I think a lot of that is related to what we, you know, the structure and financing of our healthcare system. And so, um, you know, pharmacy. When you have a business, you have to be profitable, right? So. This, Obviously, if you're seeing the closing of businesses, um, that means they're no longer able to generate a profit. And so um, there are a lot of market variables that drive that. It could be reimbursement structure, um, a, a term that sometimes we call pharmacy benefit management. 
companies. It could be the cost of medications. There's just a lot of a lot of variables that probably have contributed to that fact. And it didn't happen overnight, right? I mean, it just it kind of took a while. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're seeing, you know, even more of a shift. Um, it used to be where, um, you know, you probably had a pharmacy in every corner and then now we have out, you know, out reduction in hours and all of these things that have happened. And so that is that has certainly been a challenge, but it looks like um, we did have our most uh, distinguished guests uh join us. And so um, I wanted to take a moment to pause and introduce her. Absolutely. Um, it is a pleasure and honor to have Dr. Uh, Lenora Newsom, who is the current president of the National Associations of the uh, Board of Pharmacies. Um, it is a national organization that's been around for about 120 years. Um, she has certainly made history with her presence, um, and I'm excited to have her here, and I will let her say um, a few words about herself. Good morning, everyone. Morning. Uh, sorry Good about morning. The delay, but uh, you know, sometimes our technology uh, doesn't do what we want it to do. It, so it needs medication. I, <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, but. Um, I, you know, I'm happy to be serving as president of uh, National Association of Boards of Pharmacy. And my uh, presidential initiative is the uh, mental health and well-being of pharmacists, uh, pharmacy technicians in all pharmacy. But as I have progressed um, with my uh, chosen subject, I found out that the very things that are needed in pharmacy are needed everywhere. Uh, I am meeting people in hotels, in airports, and what you do, you just take the time to listen. And uh, if I can, or if I do have any guidance, try to point them in the right direction. But um, uh, this is a big thing, and this is something that we all have to address. Thank you. So, so Shane, I'd like to ask both uh, Dr. Uh, Chikolas and Dr. Uh, Newsom this question. It seems that the, the public's perception of pharmacists is changing, has changed. There have been a lot of conditions. Could you talk a little bit about that? I mean, what's going on? Because uh, it seems like, uh, in fact, recently we've had, uh, you know, pharmacists stop working. Uh, they're stressed out, I think, which speaks to Dr. Lenora's uh, 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 point. What's going on around pharmacy? I just think we've uh, reached a time of burnout. Uh, we've been doing more and more. And once the pandemic came along, uh, once you've been doing a lot and then you were asked to uh, be squeezed a little bit more, uh, but it was like nothing to give. It's like now we're having to go back to address those issues uh, to get everybody uh, back uh, right in center so that we're in a position to continue to give. Because as a profession, we are always the ones that give. Try to get everybody uh, back to normal, get them well physically and also mentally. And right now, that's been hard to do. So we're working on trying to get back to there, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Wanda? Yeah, and I will just kind of second that. Burnout is real. Um, both of us are still practicing. 
we're connected with community and you know you can't pour from an empty cup and so like the demands and the expectations have significantly increased so you know um i would say pre-pandemic people were less relying on medications one thing about the pandemic is that it allowed people to check on their mental health. Um, I saw a surge in mental health medications and ADHD medications, and um, probably the volume of medications that people take have increased. And then you pair that with the rollout of various vaccines and just the demands of having to multitask and um, as Dr. Newsom said, just constantly give and squeeze out a little bit more when there's nothing there. And then you have to turn around and try to be present for family and present for community. And so we're definitely at a point where we're in a crisis and I'm, I'm glad we're here to talk about those issues. So I want to ask this question, Dr. Ronald, because you mentioned this when you first started talking off. You talked about the changing role of pharmacists. Could you talk, you and Dr. Newsom, talk a little bit more about what, what is this changing role? I mean, we, we talked about the pandemic, but what's what's, you know, we used to have, you know, you just said, that, you know, the pharmacists used to have the soda fountain. You know, you know, you could just go and talk to them, but but it appears that there is a changing role. Can we talk about that? What is that? Um, I I can just say I'm I I would certainly welcome Dr. Newsom's opinion. She has a, a outstanding career. Um, she is from Arkansas. She's done a lot of work. Um, I know she could probably provide additional insight, but for me, I I can remember when I first started practicing in 2009 and I was like, whoa, what did I get myself into? Um, but there's just been the expansion of um, services. So in addition to, um, you know, when you think about just the prescription, um, there's things that we're supposed to do when we pass out that prescription. We're supposed to counsel the patient and tell them how to use it. And then, you know, you're looking for interactions. And so then Fast forward, you start thinking about, as we discussed, a business model and how do you remain profitable um, when potentially you're losing money on uh, dispensing medications, you add things like other clinical services. So you'll add things like vaccines or you'll add things where you have the ability to um, prescribe uh, birth control. And so you have all of these different things, but you don't necessarily have more bodies or more time to do it. Um, Dr. Newsom, do you have anything to add? I think that you're spot on. Uh, we are uh, promoting more services, but in the past, we used to have a little bit more time to spend with our uh, patients. And the more things you do, then there's less time to spread around. And I think that we are beginning to see the results of not having that little extra special time, a uh, time to um, answer those little bitty questions that may be not big to us, but big to you, that will uh, make your life go a lot better. Uh, we're doing uh, point of care testing. We're doing uh, more immunizations, but the time factor, uh, workforce uh, conditions, so that you have time to do a little more. And we are working on that. How do we, you know, there's more need there, but how do we get more time to take care of those needs? Mm -hmm. So when did, you know, so so my question is this, and again, you know, help me, help me understand. 
years ago, you know, when we had our corner pharmacist, um, at that point, could pharmacists um, provide vaccinations? Could they provide um, assistance with blood pressure monitoring? Can they, were they able, or, or did they provide insights into, um, for instance, smoking cessation, like they do today? Were, could they have done that back then? Or did, did the uh, scope of practice expand? Uh, that's the magic word, uh, scope of practice. Our scope of practice did expand. Uh, about the turn of the century, I'd say uh, 1999, 2000, mm -hmm. uh, pharmacists became available to take care of immunizations for the company, for the country, excuse me. Yeah. And we have, uh, you know, we've taken that and we have done a tremendous job with that, especially uh, the changes that you saw uh, with the COVID-19 vaccines. We were able to get a lot of people vaccinated or immunized, and a lot of lives were saved. But uh, that takes, you know, more people, more pharmacists, more time to do that. Yeah. Um, so the uh, smoking cessation, that's another thing that uh, we've taken on. So we've taken on a lot of uh, responsibility, but we need expansion of time or more bodies of, of pharmacists to be able to do all of this. So let me ask you kind of a complimentary question. Did, in order to be licensed today as a pharmacist, whether it be in Minnesota or any state in the country, have licensing requirements changed as well, given the fact that there are more responsibilities that are being given to pharmacists today? Uh, all of that fall under your license to practice pharmacy, under your scope of practice. Okay. Uh, what had to happen was that the... Uh, states had to uh, implement rules and regulations so that the uh, scope of practice could be increased. So that's where all of that um, begins to fit under the umbrella of pharmacy. If, if that's good. You understand that, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So, let so me Rhonda, you. Rhonda okay. your insight into this? Well, I would say the same thing. And then the other thing is, is it's, there's the other piece that we don't talk about. And this is one of the things that is very much in keeping with Dr. Newsom's initiative is the mental health and, and well-being of pharmacists and pharmacy staff. Yeah. So you couple this huge leap in responsibility, uh, more tasks, more um, things to do, um, more visibility, and then... Um, you're working in an environment where people are not necessarily well. So even when I'm teaching students, people don't come to the pharmacy like they used to, to get, uh, you know, a root beer float or a, so a soda fountain uh, beverage. They're coming because they're not well, or they're there to help take care of a family member. So well, number one, you have to remember that we see people in pharmacy when they're not at their, their best. And as a result, sometimes pharmacists are also subject to harassment and workplace violence and um, people not necessarily be, being kind. I know um, in Dr. Newsom State, they, they have some very strong legislation in terms of um, what happens if, they, if a customer or a person tries to harm a pharmacist, but we don't have that across the country. So you imagine, um, the stress and burnout can also be coupled with this increase of duties, 
along with experiencing this unprecedented, and I would say it's unprecedented because I haven't seen it in 15 years, where people are, um, their mental health is not well. And as a result, um, can be very aggressive and hostile on some occasions. And so you just got to try to balance all of that. I ask this yeah. question as it relates to, you know, the, the mental health portion of it, because I know that right now in this country, uh, drug prices are going up through the roof. Uh, uh, we know that in our communities, people are not able to, uh, in many, in, in some cases, not able to afford their, their, their drugs. Is that in causing an, an increase in pressures on pharmacists? I mean, uh, or what's, what's happening with that? Oh, pharmacies is where it's discussed. Um, you you know you get your medication, you go to the doctor, you get your prescription, and you come and you find out that yes, um, I have a treatment plan, but I can't afford the treatment plan that the doctor has offered, and that's very uh, discouraging. But pharmacies do not the we do not give the drug prices. That's not determined by us. But yet, uh, we're the people that are on the front lines uh, to listen um, to the complaints about it. Yeah, you you know what it you know hand in hand, um, Clarence, with you with your comment is um, communication. So you know one one thing that that's kind of struck me is the communication that a pharmacist has with with a patient has has morphed into a variety of different things where they've really almost to a sense a, a pharmacist and a pharmacy has become kind of a community health program in and of itself you know besides dispensing the medications they also assist on a lot of a lot of things which when i was growing up that didn't that didn't exist and then the other component of communication that I wanted to touch on and ask you about is communication with with healthcare providers like physicians okay so when they prescribe you know it's it's oftentimes frankly the pharmacist that really understands a patient and all the drugs that they're on and the possible interactions so how does that communication happen with um with a physician for instance to you know maybe pull up a red flag for a patient? I think that's a great question, Stan. And I want to kind of take a step back because when I have an opportunity, I want to look at like the systems aspect. And so yeah, yeah. Um, when you talk about drug prices, there's, there's so many variables um, in terms of we have formularies, different people have different insurance uh, coverage uh benefits. And it's really, how do you even try to manage that as a physician when you're like, okay, well, I'm going by clinical guidelines and guidelines says, well, this drug or this medication is the best for my patient. And then it comes back and then you can't afford it. Um, unfortunately, like, I think all of the systems are kind of bogged down a lot of times. Um, Physicians now, when we're holding or we have to send a fax, it might be two or three days before a, a person can get their medication. So there's all of these variables that that make it um, somewhat difficult sometimes to kind of navigate that communication. You really have to make sure your um, patients are 
you know, have a certain level of health literacy. I would say Minnesota, though, is um, very unique and very different in the, the fact of their CHIP and S-CHIP program or Medicaid and Medicare program, or even um, what we call, you know, Minnesota Care. Our, our program is probably, I would say, the most expansive in the nation and the most inclusive in terms of medications that are covered. We are also one of the last states to implement copays, which are usually either now one, one or three dollars. Like there's some some variables, but again, um, what other states are experiencing, we probably don't have. We we have medication repositories like a program round, roundtable RX. We have a lot of different things here where we're able to um, help navigate and refer people. But I don't think that is always the case. I would I would suspect it's very different in um, Dr. Newsom's state of Arkansas. Yeah. So let me ask uh, this. Yes. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Dr. Lenora. I'm sorry. I was going to say, back, uh, in Arkansas, we have like a copay system uh, that has been in place for years, but the, uh, the copays are not bad. On our Arkansas Medicaid program. Fantastic. Let me. Let, let, you, we talked about the the lack of, of pharmacists. Uh, will AI help us in the future? I mean, you know, we we have a lot of pharmaceutical deserts uh, and places like that. Will I mean, people are needing needing their their the meds and things like that. Will AI be a a a factor for use in the future? Um, I think we can just kind of step back and look at like the like Dr. Newsom highlighted is the scope of practice, right? And how that scope of practice is defined um, by rules and regulations. And so um, I think what is happening, right, similar to a lot of fields, we don't have the tools and technology that have been able to be incorporated into regulation um, so that people can can use technology. So we're a little bit, um, I think, behind. But I, I will say um, the National Association um, for the Boards of Pharmacy have been very instrumental in um, developing guidelines and best practices and um, things that can be used to guide the practice of pharmacy. The challenge is kind of getting those things into statute and, and regulation, in particular, when you think about like automatic dispensing or remote services or those type of things. Um, again, we have to, because we're licensed professionals, we have to operate within our scope of practice, but also follow those um, rules and regulations that are both federal and um, state mandated. So let me let me bring up a couple of, of things here. Um, I, I, I kind of want to circle back to communication a little bit. Medical records, versus like pharmacy records. Okay, so do they talk at all? So like, you know, my my medical record just personally is in Epic. Okay, so does, does the pharmacy records in my pharmacy talk with with that system or are they completely separate or or what? Where Where do things come forward with communication? Um, I, I would uh, go ahead, Dr. Newsom. 
I was going to say, I don't have a hard answer for that one. Uh, that's all uh, new technology. Yeah. So there, there are different systems out there, but uh, the key thing is uh, getting them to uh, be able to communicate with each other. So that's going to be a, a large challenge that lies ahead of us. Yeah, yeah. And I can say, at least from the Minnesota perspective, so I do know, and I mean, this goes back to me talking about me being a historian, um, but uh, former President Barack Obama was one of the people who said, okay, these these records have to, um, you know, um, be used in electronic. And so now what we're starting to see is that data is starting to go back for the systems that use Epic here. Um, you're able actually to get claims information to see when your patients are picking up their medic medications and when they got it filled. And um, I actually was in Georgia, had an allergic reaction, came back here to the clinic and they were able to say, hey, you know, I noticed you got a steroid dose pack when you were in, in Georgia. Are you OK? And I was like, oh, OK, you were able to get my claims information. So a lot of that information now is starting to be shared. But as Dr. Newsom pointed out, um, interfacing some of these technologies is challenging. Like, for example, I don't have access to the information that Walmart or Walgreens or CVS might have. You know, the pharmacies aren't able to share information either. I, a lot of um, patients seem to think that we do, but we don't. And there are good reasons why you just don't want information shared in an unregulated fashion. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, another another thing, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't at least touch on it. And and Clarence and I have have agreed that we need to do a, a whole show on this because there's such interest around it. And that's um, and I kind of we can use this as an example. New new drugs that are coming out. All right. And one of them that's high on everybody's list are these weight loss medications. So. Give it. Give us your sense of of weight loss medications, their use, their benefits, their maybe their the dangers that we have to look out for, um, and then kind of a sidebar on this is: are medications getting to the point where it's you know fits everything for everybody, and you don't have to worry about you know gaining weight because you know you can take a drug that'll basically control it for you. That's, I think that's a very controversial subject, but I want to take a step back and remove it from the medication thing. And I have to be very careful because of my role and what have you, but let's look at what obesity is, right? Obesity, um, African-American people are disproportionately affected by obesity. Obesity is tied to problems with osteoarthritis, it is tied to cardiovascular problems. It is tied to lipid problems. Um, it is tied to a, you know, even for some people, their mental health. So um, when we're looking at anything that affects obesity, um, we have to think about the, the risk and benefits of all of those conditions that it, it could possibly affect. So for example, if a medication can in general, um, decrease your, your, your weight, ideally that it's improving your cardiovascular health. It's, um, working on your lipids. It's working on, um, you know, how you feel about yourself. The challenge is, is 
any medication, right, there are risk and benefits, right? And so this newer class of medicines, which a lot of times started out as diabetes meds, mm -hmm. um, had this side effect. And I mean, I will kind of do a history thing here and then I'll turn it over to uh, Dr. Newsom. Um, one of the medications that we use for erectile dysfunction, Viagra, was a lucky accident. That medication actually started out in clinical trials to uh, be used to lower um, blood pressure. And what happened is it did not work on blood pressure. And so right. the manufacturer went to come back and say, hey, I need to get my study medication back. People were like, uh-uh, um, I like this medicine. And so they were able to tease out that there was a side effect that was associated with it, which actually now is an indication for this medication, which is what we're seeing with the GLP-1s, that's the class of this medicines that initially started out for diabetes, but had the side effect of weight loss. Yeah. And so, um, but again, when you think about it is side effects, right? I think we're coming to know more and more about them. You know, every day you're hearing something different as a potential side effect. There isn't a catch-all, fix-all. Um, uh, my family has struggled with weight and obesity. My community struggles with that. I will tell people if I thought that there was a magic bullet that would fix it without any um, potential harm, I would certainly be first in line and um, recommending that for everybody. So, um, that, that's my take on it. Dr. Newsom, do you have any comments? Um, my main thing is the um, long-term side effects of these medications. Uh, yeah. We're seeing yeah. the results right now that we're losing weight, but uh, what else is going to be going on as we look at it in the future? And once you uh, lose the weight, how do you wing yourself off of it? Or will you ever be able to wing yourself off of it? And another uh, long-term thing that we have to look at that's, um, you know, something that we're not looking at is the mental health, not only of the person that's dropping the weight, but the mental health of those that are around that person, the loved ones, you know, how, you know, how do they react to things? How is that person approached? So it's, it's so many things we have to look at. So many. Yeah, you know, I guess, you know, maybe a real takeaway is, you know, um, question, you know, the quick fixes out of the gate. You know, maybe, you know, there's there's a lot of different variables that, that any person should consider going forward. But we'll get more into that in, a, in an actual show. Clarence. Yeah. So, Dr. Uh, Newsom and uh, Dr. Rhonda, uh, I'd like for you to just share with us your passions. Uh, I know that you... You know, uh, Dr. Lenore, you are uh, the national uh, president, and 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 Dr. Rhonda, you, you're the Minnesota president. But you have a, a passion in your leadership. I mean, Dr. Lenore talked about her mental health, uh, mental health for pharmacists. Would you just share with us a little bit more about that as we as we get ready to to close out our program? Dr. Lenore, you first. All right, um, I've had a lifelong passion uh, with pharmacy, just taking care of people, um, going to work every day. Each day is going to be different. Uh, you go have different challenges each day, but go forth with a positive mental attitude that you're going in to take care of people for that day. 
and just take it one day at a time. I live in uh, the southern part of the state, uh, not far from the Louisiana border in a rural area. But I take care of the people, you know, in my area. And like I say, now that has been uh, transformed to being with the State Board of Arkansas for 32 years now, and now on a national level with NABP. So it's just those little things you do every day uh, that has come out with um, large outcomes for me. But most of all, I love my job and I love what I do every day. Thank you. Dr. Rhonda? Well, that's the, that's a tough act to follow. And I, I, I mean, um, I will just say this, um, just seeing Dr. Newsom, right? And I think um, it's because of people like her. I know I can. Um, she's had a lifelong um, commitment to the passion of uh, the, the profession of pharmacy, um, but she's also very available and approachable. And then just her demeanor, right? Um, we talk about this level of stress and burnout and even perspective, right? To maintain a perspective one, one day at a time, one encounter at a time. But as you know, my passion is really about creating a uh, systematic change and really um, arming people. And I will never say build uh, uh, empowering. I won't say I'm going to give you the power, but really about increasing the knowledge base and capacity of community members so that they can advocate for themselves. Like we've all sat here and talked about um, a variety of things like the changes in reimbursement, you know, pharmacist burnout, um, practitioner burnout, community burnout. And then now we throw in there some blockbuster drugs and changes and how do we navigate that? And so that is the change that I like to be a part of. And much like doc, Dr. Newsom, I am um, very, very much enjoying all aspects of my career, um, be it from being in the actual pharmacy to hosting community forums, to just talking to people on um, the corner or even in being involved in clinical trials. I am really living um, my dream and I, I want to use my gifts to make a positive change. You know, one thought that I had, I, I remember distinctly when uh, there was uh, research that was done where um, the researchers asked people, you know, who do they trust in the, in the, you know, in their care, in their health care. And always number one came out one way or the other, their, their primary care physician if they had a trusted one truly but then right up there right next was their pharmacist right right there with their and given even given all these changes that that we're all witnessing I still believe that I I really do I think that there's there's some kind of a bond between a um, a patient and their pharmacist really um and i don't see that being compromised at least perhaps that's my hope clarence yeah i just want to say i thank you both for being here i know that this was a we had we talked about a lot of different things as you as you have noted dr ronda marie but uh, i i think it, it was a great time for us to enter into this conversation and we do want to talk more about pharmacy about its impact 
and about how it affects our community. And so I just wanted to say thank you both for, for being a part of our show. Back to you, Sam. Well, it's been great. It, and, and this is only perhaps the uh, the tip of the iceberg. As we alluded to in their show, we'll, we'll have a show on weight loss medications because that's really kind of high on, on people's radar screen right now and of, of interest. So stay tuned to that for our listening audience. Our next show will be on hospice care, which um, also, you know, we all face it one, one way or the other. So stay tuned for that. Thank you to our guests. Greatly appreciate your insights, um, second to none. So with that, I'd like to say to everybody, keep health chatting away. Mm-hmm.